You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, this is Eliza Perilla of the Wardrobe Boss Podcast on Mean Old Lion Media Podcast Network. Since you're listening right now, I know you're into podcasts, so I'm inviting you to check out mine, Wardrobe Boss Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or where you get your favorite podcast. Download the Mean Old Lion Network app to listen to all my podcast episodes today. Black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? It's been okay. This week went by really quickly. There's been some good things that have happened. There's been some awful things that have happened. So um, on the bad side, one of my really good friends, her mom passed away yesterday. So that was awful. She'll miss her mom, you know, and she, there will be moments that she'll be overwhelmed because her mom is just not there. I mean, my dad has been gone for over 20 years. My dad passed away when I was 10. So And there's still days that I like remember him and cry or feel horrible because my dad didn't get to walk me down the aisle at my wedding or didn't get to see his grandson, you know, that kind of thing. So I know that for her, it could be, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot and every day is going to be a challenge. But on the lighter side, I did get just about all of my Christmas shopping done this weekend. So I am uber excited about that because I... Used to be, so pre-married Nicole, pre-married Nicole used to be like in the Walgreens the night of Christmas because somebody else was coming over and we forgot to buy a gift and we didn't want to be embarrassed. So we're picking up that little like cocoa mug and stuff like that and trying to wrap that real quick or buying gift cards. But Mary Nicole really does try to prepare to get people's gifts together. Now I will say I do forget about certain people's gifts though. And not not that they're not important. I got to forget about really important people's gifts. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, I need to go and buy X, Y, and Z. It could be the week of Christmas. And I'm like, oh, I forgot my husband's gift. You know, that kind of thing. But this year, I am done with everything. And the things that I couldn't find, I ordered and they will be arriving this week. So I'm really excited because I got all my Christmas shopping out of the way. My Christmas tree is up. All the decorations are up. Our lights are up outside. We are good here. So I'm excited about that. So what did you do this week, Janine? 
Well, I wish I could say I finished my Christmas shopping like you did. I haven't even started, so I feel kind of like a slacker, but I'm going to get to it and I'm not going to be last minute at the Walgreens trying to buy people gifts, even though I have done that before. This week was super busy. It was busy because one, I'm currently working two jobs, not necessarily by, you know, choice. Like I didn't intend to, I didn't set out to have two jobs at this time, but there happens to be some overlap right now. And then two, my best friend who lives in Baltimore had Friendsgiving, like a post Thanksgiving Friendsgiving. And so I like helped her host it. So I've been running around busy, like, you know, getting decor and trying to figure out what the menu was going to be like and making sure that people were invited and they had the address and knew where they were supposed to stay and all of that. So this week has been really, really busy. And then today, Ken and I, well, you and I have had this conversation, but I guess the people who are listening, they don't know. Ken and I are looking for a place, a new place, because while I live in the DMV, much like Houston, not quite to the extent of Houston, but you can live on one side of the DMV and it take you long enough to get to another state or two states away to get to the other side of the DMV. So with my new job, I don't live close. And last week when I went to work, it took me almost two hours Yes, I said two hours to get home from literally what is what, 16, 20 miles away? I have no idea. I'm not really good at mileage, but you get the point. Like, I'm not about to sit in the car for two hours. That's four hours out of my day that I could be using something like being productive with. So Ken and I are looking for a place. So we spent most of today after Friendsgiving all the way in Baltimore trekking to VA trying to find a place. So it's a lot. It's been exhausting, but I'm grateful because it could be worse. Like I could be, you know, digging ditches, but I'm not. So I'm grateful. I'm just really keen on trying to find a place because I hate driving. Yeah. Ooh, I hate driving as well. I mean, Houston is, I feel like if I have to go to any clinic besides the, the clinic that's in Katy, which is about 16 minutes from my house, I'm going to be driving. So all the other clinics on a good day or about 35, 40 minutes away. But at five o'clock, it will take me an hour, hour and a half to get home. So I, I feel you. I feel you. I think it's a great time to sell. Um, the only issue is going to be buying because everything is going on the mark off the market so quickly. Like something's listed one day, the next day it's like gone. So that's the only thing about moving. Like you have to be like pre-authorized, check in hand, ready to pull the trigger at any instance so that you can make sure that you are um, getting what you want before it's like gone, literally gone. Yeah. And overbidding. That's a thing now where people are bidding way over the asking price, like astronomically higher 60, $70,000 over the asking price yeah, just so that they can win the bidding war. I mean, I get it. It's, it makes perfect sense, but for me, I'm not it. I feel like the, the housing market is all already drastically overpriced in the DMV, which is part of the reason why we're going out to the V of the DMV. But it's, how do I put this? I get it. It's all about location, right? So Ken and I tried to look at some, or we looked at some houses actually in DC proper because that's technically where Ken is from. I mean, I'm from the suburbs, but you get the point. And one of the houses that we looked at, Nicole, was two bedroom two bath. It was barely 1500 square feet. It was over $700,000. And Ken and I kind of looked at each other like we weren't 
shocked at the price as much because it's the Northeast, right? The houses are just priced really high. We were shocked at the size. There was no deck. There was barely any parking. I had no garage. I mean, the windows were had bars across them. And not to be like an elitist, but there was an actual housing project on the opposite side of the street. And that was selling for 700. And it wasn't a detached home. It was a row home over $700,000. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know that little, <laughs> so I reposted the little, there's like a little cheer that this guy does. He does all these cheers, right? And people do the little TikToks to poof, be gone, yo, yo, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so him, right? He always says, no, ma'am. Yeah, this would be an instance where we need to use his cheer and be like, no, ma'am. There's right. no way I would be going for, and you you won't even survive in that because you're going from your house now to something that's 1,500 square feet. No, and that's not about being elitist. I know it's like, oh, I don't want to live in this area with, you know, the housing projects. I mean, let's be clear. If you live in neighborhoods that have projects, it will bring down the value of your home. That is not being elitist. That is just fact. Absolutely. Uh, it'll bring down the value of your home. And so uh, you don't want to buy something overpriced that will depreciate um, over time. Now, the question is, can you wait a little while? Like, can you just struggle through the commute and wait a little while until the market turns around? Because, I mean, the the projection is that the market will turn around by the summer. So that's six months from now. So can you wait six months to see what will happen to the market? It's already improved a little bit since last summer. Can you take one for the team and struggle it out on your commute, leave a little bit early, do something at work, and then come back afterwards to not be within so much traffic? That way you can save a couple of dollars. Just saying. Okay, so I'm going to publicly display how selfish and spoiled I am. I don't want to say selfish. It's not really selfish. It's more spoiled because the commute doesn't matter to Ken one way or the other. Ken's my husband, by the way. Um, It doesn't matter to him one way or the other because everything that he does, he can do from home or wherever he's located, right? It's me that has the commute issue right now. So I would like to think that I could deal with the commute. However, I have noticed, and I think that if we asked Ken, he would probably say the same, that I'm a lot grumpier now that I've spent four hours in the car a day. I want to say that I could wait six months, but really I'm more prepared to rent for six months until I find something that I like just so that I cannot have to be in this commute than to complete, you know, completely overhaul my life. I have an idea and it's going to be cheaper than you renting a house in addition to having your own house, your own bills. Okay. Hire, and this is a great Christmas gift from Ken. Are you listening? Okay. Hopefully Ken is listening. He can hire you a driver. Okay. And I say that because for me, if I'm writing, I'm able to check my emails, respond to emails. I'm able to write the stuff down that I need to write down. I'm able to make phone calls. I'm able to do all the things that I would do after I wind down at night and then I'm doing stuff, right, for the Mm. next day. Instead, if you have a driver, if you spend an hour, half, two hours on the commute back home, you're doing everything you need to do. I'm just saying. That's going to cost you less than rent. That's true. And you'll come home happy and already done with everything that you need to do for the day. That's actually a pretty good idea. I actually Mm -hmm. really like that. And I don't need a driver every day. I only need a driver (laughs) two to three days a week. I really, and you know what else it saves on? Parking. Don't it? It does. I really like that idea. 
You can check all your emails and then you know what? You can pull out your little your flask if you want to. Pour yourself a drink. I I love that. And then it also makes me be more accountable to my time because I am the person that stays at work way too late just because I'm like, oh, I can get things done. Literally just this past week, I got stuck in the parking lot and we had to call the cops to get out to like break the lock because the parking lot was like, okay, it's too late. We done locked it. Like, sorry, you'll get your car tomorrow. I guess you're staying. But I wasn't. So I really like that because it will force me to leave when I'm supposed to leave. I mm-hmm. like that. I really do Girl, like that. I, I think that's a driver? great idea. Christmas time. If someone would like to be my driver, please, please call my husband. I would give out his number on this, but you all can DM us, email us. If you are a driver, if you're a professional driver in the DMV, now I need some references. But if you're a professional driver in the DMV, please email us because I'm really, I really like that idea. <laughs> I really do. Because then I don't have to uproot my life. I don't have to pack anything. All I got to do is get in the car and somebody's going to get me there. I really appreciate that. And you know, the little things like my makeup that I have to do now at home, I can do that in the car if I need to. I like it. Right yeah. Idea. And then you write it off on your taxes as a work expense. Let me tell you. Ah! Ken, mm-hmm. Are you listening to this? I love this idea. He's listening. I love mm-hmm. it. That is a great idea, Nicole. Anytime, girl. You know I come with the idea anytime. <laughs> I appreciate them because, who, girl, I'm struggling. I'm not, I am not the driver. I promise you. I can't do that. I'm like, matter of fact, today when we were, when we were on our way to Virginia, when we got there, I was like disoriented because I had been asleep in the car. I was so disoriented. You know how when kids wake up in your home and they they fell asleep when you left the place and they're kind of trying to figure out what's going on? That's how I felt today. So I really, I really like that idea. So, Janine, what's on your timeline? Parenting. Parenting is what's on our timeline. So it's actually been on our timeline for a while. It comes up very often. And, you know, I guess because it's such a an integral part of life. It seems natural that we see, you know, stories about parenting all the time. But this particular week, it's been really heavy. And recently, we've heard a lot about parents who have made really bad, they've made really poor decisions when it comes to their children and their parenting style. So let's start off with Wendy Rittenhouse. Wendy Rittenhouse is the mother of Kyle Rittenhouse. And she allegedly drove her minor son across state lines armed to a race-related protest that ended up in people getting killed. So I would venture to say that that's probably not the best parenting decision. But, you know, I guess people make the best decisions that they can with the information that they have at the time. So then there's Imhotep Norman, and he is a 28-year-old father from South Carolina who was recently convicted and sentenced to 28 years in prison for leaving his 19-month-old, now you heard what I said, 19-month-old daughter, in the back of the car to die. In a, it, the car was on fire in a burning vehicle. He left his 19-month-old daughter in the back to die as he fled from the police. And his excuse was, well, when he crashed the car and it caught fire, that he figured that the fire department, the EMS, police, whatever, were going to save the daughter. Little did he know, they didn't even know the little girl was in the car when they were chasing him. So he's spending 28 years in prison for that. And I think probably most notably was the recent manhunt and now arraignment for Jennifer and James Crumbly, the parents that purchased their 15-year-old a gun 
and went to the range with him to ensure that he knew how to use it, all while knowing that he had some severe behavioral issues. As a matter of fact, they were at the school for a meeting about their son's behavior the day that he shot up the school in a mass shooting. Now, I intentionally did not say his name because he is a minor, and it's still alleged because he hasn't been convicted. But essentially, they gave his, their son a weapon, knowing he had behavioral issues, and it became a free-for-all. But let me say this. I don't want to talk about all the negative parenting, right? Those aren't the parents that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the parents who seem to love and cherish their children and believe that their kids are a gift from God, even when their children don't seem to deserve it. So let's go back to March. Now, remember when the internet was all up in arms, you know, Kirk Franklin, the one silver and gold Kirk Franklin was out here cursing his oldest son out. So his oldest son back in March recorded an argument that they were having and posted on social media for all of us to hear. The two of them are actually back on our timeline. Now, look, you know that we love the Lord and we just going to put this right here. Nicole and I, we love the Lord. And we believe that as believers, we shouldn't say and do certain things. We shouldn't act a certain way and we should govern ourselves with a certain level of decorum, right? You know, we should reflect that of the Christ that we believe in. But we also curse and y'all have heard it. You know, when you hear those bleeps and all of that stuff that we're like, oh, we shouldn't have said that. We curse because guess what? We're human. We're not perfect. We're just trying to be like God. We not God. So back when this happened to Kirk Franklin, we kind of just were like, well, look, nobody gets that angry over nothing. So clearly there's a backstory that we are not privy to. That's number one. And then number two, how are we going to be appalled at Kirk Franklin when his son was being blatantly disrespectful to him? My thought process has always been his son is 33 years old. At 33, if you disrespect another man, father or not, if you disrespect another man like that, you can pretty much kind of guarantee that you're going to receive something in return. And that something happened to be a cursing out of a lifetime, right? So as I said, we were fairly certain that there was more to the story. And you know, we kind of just decided not to discuss it. Like you and I were like, we didn't really intentionally not discuss it but it just wasn't really newsworthy like it sounded to us like it was a family matter and more than anything it was a son on the phone a grown son mind you on the phone challenging and disrespecting his father and like I said my thoughts honestly were it's a good thing that the conversation was on the phone and not in person because I know at 38 years old if I was talking to either one of my parents like that where I would be is not on this podcast with you, Nicole. I would be six feet under somewhere, okay? So I kind of just was like, okay, well, they having an argument. The son decided he won't get, get slick and record it, and here we are. Well, Kirk's parenting is back on our timeline. And this time, it's for the manner in which he's handling his son's continued failed attempts. I'll say because it's been continuing since March. His continued failed attempts and outbursts to kind of embarrass his family and specifically his father. So since March, his oldest son seems to be on some sort of rampage. 
even going back and forth with his siblings, going on live, going back and forth, saying things about his father. Basically, his siblings are saying they're defending the father. They're defending Kirk. And they're saying that essentially their brother is just a really entitled little twit, honestly. Well, recently, Kirk went on to The Real. And in the interview, they talked about his parenting and specifically this particular incident. Kirk says that he will not expose his estranged son's life, even though his son attempted to expose him. He said that he has no dialogue about what he said and what was said or what was done. And he basically tells us that you wouldn't know about his family issues if his son hadn't exposed them because he said it's hard enough to be a parent anyway, let alone having to explain your parenting to the public. He said he's still his son's father and he's still called to cover and protect all of his children, including his oldest son. And that's what he'll continue to do. He's not going to say what's going on in his son's life. He's not going to justify his behavior by his son's actions. Kirk took responsibility for what he did. And he says that he continues to pray for his son. And, you know, he says that while the relationship is toxic, he'll continue to work on it. And this is why I don't think Kirk is a backsliding Christian as they made him out to be. I think he's just a good black father. And in my book, he was just reprimanding his child, you know, and it's a different kind of reprimand when you're a grown man and an adult and can take care of yourself and you want to disrespect your parents. I feel like he's just a good old black daddy. I also feel like this is a perfect example of how parenting does not have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be selfless and it has to be done in the spirit of love. What do you think, Nicole? I think that parenting is hard. Um, I mean, every day I wonder, like, am I screwing Harrison up? Is he, am I not? He's two and a half, right? And I'm like, am I disciplining him enough? Am I disciplining him hard enough? Am I disciplining him too hard? Is he going to hate me if I discipline him now? I don't want to spoil him because I don't want to be entitled. I mean, it is like really a struggle trying to balance, like making sure your kids feel loved and also making sure they understand that the world is unfair and that they have responsibilities they will ultimately have and they need to be mature enough to handle them. I mean, my kid's two and a half and I'm thinking about that already. Kirk's child is 33. And I say child because he's definitely acting like a child, okay? One, adults don't put their drama on blast. I mean, what good is it going to do for him to badmouth his dad and take his dad down? I'm sure that Kirk is probably providing for his family and his son in some sort of way financially. And I'm sure that the family has some type of benefits because of Kirk and his status. So what are you doing trying to take your dad down? Like you are like biting the hand that feeds you. I don't understand that. Like this entitlement that people have is just, it's, it's beyond me. And whenever we have relationships that have been severed, such as Kirk and his former, you know, girlfriend who, you know, is the mom of his son, his oldest son, you know, people try to overcompensate. So people get divorced and they try to like spend as, as much time as they possibly can. They try to buy their kids as much as they probably can. And as a result, they become spoiled and they don't know what it means to 
be told no. And I'm not saying that that's a situation that's happened, but I've seen that happen in a lot of different relationships where the the parents are trying to make sure that the child feels love and make sure that they're the favorite of the of the child. And so they are not making sure that that child is disciplined and they're not making sure that that child understands that the things that they provide for them are worked for. You know, they are working hard for this money that they're making. To me, that's very evident that some of that is what's going on here. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a 33-year-old son recording being reprimanded just so they can go and put it out there to the media. Like, really? And my thing is, you know, I am 38. My mom lives with us. We pay her a salary. And she will still beat me down. Girl, (laughs) listen... (laughs) Let me step out of line and curse my mom out or like go off on her or or even record her now and put it on social media so other family members or her friends can hear us because we ain't known. So, but let me do that and let just the Deritter people find out. Oh, girl, right? it's on. It's on. Like, how dare he? I, I just, I and then he won't shut up. Like, you've said what you've said. You've done what you done. You did. Why are you still talking? Why? That's that's my crazy. question. Like, what is your end goal? Because every time I see anything other than these rants, it's like you're in the studio, right? So clearly you're into the music industry in some way, shape, or form. Wouldn't it make more sense for you to align yourself with your father than to be going against him? I mean, that's really just my question. Like, what is your end goal? What's the end game? Because right now, what it's seeming like is you probably didn't get your way. And you probably are super entitled and this is your excuse or somebody's in your head telling you some kind of nonsense and you're just going along with it. Or another possibility is he could be having a mental break because, you know, at that age, you know, for us, it was probably around 30, right? But at that age is kind of when you have to realize like, this is when I need to stand on my own two feet, no matter what. There's not that safety net of me falling back on my parents anymore. And he's probably taking a really good look in the mirror thinking, well, what do I, what have I done? What have I accomplished? Have I accomplished anything? Is this, you know, am I wasting my time? And now he's trying to make it someone else's problem, like his father's or make excuses for why he's not where he wants to be. I mean, it could be a number of things, but what it's not and shouldn't be is Kirk's problem. This is his life. He's grown. Whatever bed he makes, he has to lie in it. And I don't think that he can blame whatever situation is going on solely on his father. That's just me. Well, my thing is he's just, he's projecting for some reason. And maybe he is having a mental break, but he seems like he is alert and oriented when he's on these lives. It's not like he's just like, having like tangential thoughts. I mean, he seems like he has an agenda. So it doesn't seem like this is like a mental breakdown or he's delusional or anything like that. I don't know what this is. And it, it to me, a mental break means you have a moment. You are, you know, having anxiety attacks or there's something going on that makes you like break down. 
he'd been talking about this for a while. I mean, he was accusing his mom of abuse. Now he's accusing his dad of mistreating him and, you know, being disrespectful and threatening to kick his butt and recording stuff. I mean, first it's the mom and I said that. Like, I'm just like, really, though? Right. Then he's calling his siblings out. I mean, that's more than a mental break. I'm yeah, just and, saying. His, and his sister was like, she went on live and she was like, oh, I'm not playing with you. I'll go to war. She was like, I mean, she basically was like all of these accusations and what he's trying to do. It's unfounded. And, you know, good and well, basically saying it's what parenting is. You're never going to get along with your children all the time. You're never going to see eye to eye with them all the time. But at some point you have to respect each other. I'm not going to just say respect your parents, because I think that that's sometimes where people feel like, oh, you have to respect me, but I don't have to respect you. No, respect one another and come to some sort of like peaceful coexistence. You don't have to be in a situation where you all are each other's best friends. That's not what your parents are for. They're here to lead and guide you and get you to the point where you are grown and can stand on your own two feet. And if they do that, they have done their job as a parent. Now, they might have made some mistakes along the way, but they've done... He's. Kirk Franklin has done his job. The mere fact that his son is grown and can stand on his own two feet, Kirk has done his job. Now it's his son's job to take it and run with it at this point. That's all I'm saying. You can't blame things forever on your parents. My thing is in our 30s, we're not worried about like the drama that we're having an argument with our parents and we're going to record our parents because our parents are like multi-platinum selling artists and we're going to put them on blast. Most of us are like trying to work on our own relationships, right? Like, Right. We decide whether or not we're going to have kids at that point. We're getting in serious relationships or we getting married. Like we're worried about our career moves. Um, we're, we're worried about like our aging parents. Like, right. hey, how's your 401k doing right now? How's retirement? Like, let me make sure that you're going to be straight come 10, 20 years from now so that I know what I'm going to have to deal with. Not like my mama abused me and oh my God, my, my daddy's talking bad to me and said he would he would kick my butt. Really? He should. The way you talk to him? Absolutely. It sounds like he's having a hissy fit because he's like, I can't believe my dad talked to me like that. He's all holier than now. He used curse words. Look at him. No. Listen, my mom will go from like zero to 100 like real quick on me and lose all religion if I disrespect her. And that is exactly what Kirk is not perfect. He is not Jesus. Amen. Zero to 100. And people forget, like people like, oh, Christians aren't supposed to get mad. Uh, Jesus was turning over tables in the tabernacle. Let us not forget. Okay. Amen. And so people have the right to get mad and they have the right to react to disrespect, especially if it's disrespect from their children. Absolutely. I agree 100%. All right. So uh, speaking of this and parenting, I know that we have had some listeners to send us <laughs> some letters about this situation. So let's talk through these, why don't we? Let's let's help out our listeners uh, with this parenting mess that we get ourselves into. Let's do it. All right. So the first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I don't know what to do about my daughter. As to not expose my daughter, I'm writing this letter anonymously. Let me start by saying that I'm not perfect. I had my daughter when I was 16 years old and struggled with her as a single mom after getting kicked out of my house when I told my parents I was pregnant, I ended up living with a friend's family and then went to community college before transferring to a four-year institution. Being a single mom was tough. We always had the two of us. 
Things became rough when she turned 15 years old. She started hanging with the wrong crowd and would leave the house without me knowing and not return for days. When she turned 18, she finished high school and moved out because she said I was pressuring her too much about college. She would come around from time to time asking me to borrow money or whenever she broke up with a boyfriend. After having her child three years ago, she comes around more often now. One night, she came to pick up my grandson. She was obviously intoxicated and high off of something, although she did not vote. So I refused to allow her to take my grandson with her. She yelled and called me out of my name. So I slapped her. Next thing you know, she called the police on me. The police showed up but didn't do anything since she was noticeably drunk. She went even further and sent an email the next day to the nursing board alleging that I assaulted her and was in violation of the Hippocratic Oath. Now I have to be interviewed by the licensing board. I'm not concerned that I'll lose my license, but hate that I might have to expose family drama. Ladies, what should I do about my daughter? I don't want to lose her because of this, but I'm not really sure what to do. Okay. First, I'm not sure that your daughter is an alcoholic. However, if the letter is any indication of her regular consistent behavior, I would venture to say that your daughter may be an alcoholic or have some sort of substance abuse. If that is the case, the first issue that you need to deal with before you can even address the relationship is dealing with her substance abuse because she's not going to be a good daughter. She's not going to be a good mother to her child. She's not going to be a good person or a contributing member to society until she addresses her alcoholism. Alcoholism is a disease. Substance abuse is a disease and it needs to be addressed. And you are not dealing with the person. You are dealing with the substance until you address that. So that's number one. Number two, disrespect is not acceptable under any circumstances, especially not when it's done to a family member, specifically your parents. Yes, there are some very awful, awful parents, right? But you only get one set of parents in most cases. I'm not saying it justifies your behavior or anything that you've done or mistakes that you've made. But what I'm saying is I come from the, the, the world where you don't disrespect your parents. You can ignore them. You cannot deal with them. But the disrespect is not something that you do. In addition to that, she has a child. That's the person who is of most concern to me. I'm not worried about your medical license. As you said, you're not worried about that either. You're just worried about the fact that this is going to be embarrassing and that your business is going to be out in the streets. I agree. Be concerned about that. Try to eliminate as, as much of that um, public exposure of your family drama as possible. But if you can't, everybody has family drama. Everybody has something that they're not proud of when it comes to their family. The biggest concern isn't your job, not your medical license, and it's honestly not even your relationship with your daughter. The biggest concern is making sure that this child, your grandchild, is not feeling the effects of your daughter's negative, irresponsible behavior. And again, I think that if you get help for the substance abuse, this is not something that she will have that you know, will be of concern. But I think that the person that is suffering the most in this particular situation is your grandchild. And it's not fair to your grandchild that your daughter is behaving in this manner. 
I get it. You want her to have a better relationship with you because it's your child, but you all are grown and she has a child of her own now. And the, the, the damage has probably already been done with your relationship with your daughter. It might not be reversible. I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying it might not be. But what I am saying is we don't want this to continue generation to generation with bad relationship after bad relationship. So focus on making sure that your your grandchild is not suffering the effects of your, of your daughter's behavior. What do you think, Nicole? Shout out to all the nurses that's listening because we've had several letters by nurses and medical professionals. So shout out to the medical professionals. I love it. I love it. I see y'all listening. And really all the professionals in general, like we should figure out what everybody does that that's listening because we've had architects and engineers and nurses. So shout out to all the professionals and lets us know that, you know, our listeners are grinding professionals. And I love that. I love that. Me too. Anyway, so uh, back to the letter at hand. So uh, I agree with you, Janine. The child is the most important thing. And honestly, if she really has a substance abuse problem, I would report her, okay? I, I would actually give her an ultimatum, like, hey, you get help, I'll keep your child, or uh, I'm gonna report you because let's say she had dropped her son off at a girlfriend's house and came drunk. Her girlfriend may not have been uh, so forceful and she may have taken that child and strapped that child into his car seat and then got in an accident on the way home. Okay. That is a danger to that child. And so I would definitely have a sit down like, hey, I don't care if you like me or not. Okay. Let's talk about your your alcohol problem. And let's talk about the fact that when you're under the influence, you act silly. And when you're under the influence and you're uninhibited, you can go and drive off the road and kill your child. So let's have a conversation about that. And if the child is not coming to live with me because you don't like me right now, then who is the child gonna live with? Where are the other family members involved? Have the child go live with somebody else that's trusted while you are doing your 90 day inpatient rehab or 30 day outpatient rehab or whatever the program is so that you are not drunk. Now, if this is a one-time thing and maybe she's just overwhelmed with emotions, but she really does think that you are abusive um, or you did abuse her, then y'all need to go to some counseling, okay? And after the abuse, you know, after the substance use disorder treatment, y'all still need to go to counseling. But if it's just like, oh, she does, she's not an alcoholic and you know she's not, then you guys need to go to some counseling because there's some deep rooted issues there that are at play that you may be oblivious to. You know, doing research for this show, I realized that honestly, it doesn't matter what you do. There are still gonna be some situations that are like, what? You know, like, you don't like me, but what? And this may be one of those, right? You were 16, you probably should have got, you know, your parents probably wanted you to get rid of the child, whether that's an abortion or whether that's adoption, and you chose not to. And because of that, you got kicked out your house for that and had to struggle to make ends meet. Now you pulled yourself up by out the mud, basically, and went on to graduate high school, went to community college, went to four-year college, like you did what you had to do for you and this child to make sure that you made ends meet. 
And it seems like reading this letter that at some point y'all, you thought y'all had a close relationship. You're like, oh, it was all, we struggled, but it was always the two of us. And now you're, you're looking at this and you're like, I cannot believe that this relationship, this toxic relationship is what I struggled for. You know, I thought I was doing right by my child and now this is what has happened. And I know that as a parent, that can be a slap in the face to feel like you tried your best to be everything for your child. Um, and your child still can give you a level of disrespect to, you know, you know, that's a, that's a, a Southern thing, Janine. You know, she called me out my name. I said, Ooh, she from the South. When she say that she, Ooh, how dare you call me out my name? Uh, for, for you East coast people. Cause I know we got a lot of DMV listening. That means she, she, she got cursed out. Okay. Her daughter called out her name. She got cursed out. That's what that means. Okay. Uh, Southern people. We, we know what that means. She called me out my name. What? Call me out my name. That means you didn't call me mama. and You didn't call me my name. You called me out my name. You called me something else. You were never supposed to call me out my name. And so it don't matter what the curse word is. You cursed me out. You didn't address me by my name. That is what that means for all the Northerners and the East Coasters, because I know y'all probably don't know. But uh, I know that this mom is in shock. You know, um, this mom is in shock, but you have to address the problem at hand first, being a, a matter of safety. You, you know, I'm always about safety first. And that means getting substance use disorder treatment and making sure that the child is safe. The rest of it will come. You know, the counseling and all those other things that you need to do will come. And Janine is right. We don't care if you have to put your stuff on the table and you, and you will, right? Because you have somebody alleging that you are abusive as a medical professional. That's like a big no, no, like you really can't get arrested or anything like that for abuse without having to report and defend that to the medical board. So that's a really serious allegation. Once again, that's just like the carry on uh, Franklin, like you putting your dad on blast for what? You know, she's putting you on blast for what? I mean, you're helping her pay her rent and take care of her child. What happens if you lose your job? Then y'all both going to be looking crazy. And I think that people don't think like, what are the consequences to my actions? And then all of a sudden you got your mama without a job. Then what? She can't help you if she don't have a job. Are we not thinking? But either way, child, start with, start with safety. That's what I would say. I agree. All right, Janine. So what does your letter read? This one says, ladies, I need your help. My mother is an amazing woman. She raised me as to where I didn't want for anything. She taught me right from wrong and gave me a good foundation in faith. Now that I'm older, I have come to realize that my mother is a bit toxic. She has a public persona and a private one. Her public persona is of a caring, loving, successful, church-going woman. But... In private, she is terrorizing our family. While she isn't physically violent, she's verbally abusive and just a plain unpleasant person to be around. Now that I'm grown, I feel us drifting apart. Ladies, how can I explain to my mother that her behavior is toxic or should I just let it go? Signed, Victoria. Well, Victoria, in the beginning, you said, your mom made sure you didn't want for anything. So at, at some point, your mom was doing everything right in your eyes. And now the relationship is toxic. But why though? I mean, I feel like you need to give us a little bit more details than that. Like, how is it uncomfortable to be around? I mean, is she 
you know, cursing you out? Is she, you know, criticizing you? Like, what is she doing all of a sudden to make it seem that way? And I say that because everybody has a private and a public side, okay? So when I'm in public, aka Dr. Plenty, baby, my even if I don't have on makeup, like I am like, I got on scrubs, my hair is like at least neatly pushed to the back. I have, you know, my I'm exfoliated and cleansed. I got at least a little chapstick on. I'm gonna speak the king's English. I'm not really using a lot of slang. I'm not letting you know about the drama that happens in my life. You're not gonna hear nothing about my husband. You're not gonna hear anything bad about my child. You're not gonna hear anything bad about my family. Like that is public Dr. Plenty, okay? Because everybody wants to put their good foot forward, right? And social media will let you know you only really see the good stuff on social media, okay? That is everybody, okay? That's everybody. Now, me and Janine, while we recording, girl, my hair pushed back. It's held back with these with these uh, headphones right now. I got a t-shirt on. It ain't iron. I got these pink tights on. Listen, honey, I ain't got no chapstick on. I mean, this is, if my mama get on my nerves, me, we might have a little spat, but then I'm going to go apologize later. Like my child getting on my nerves, my husband, I'm like, it's hot. Get off me. I mean, that is private. Okay. That's everybody. That's everybody. And sometimes I'm probably not the most pleasant person to be around either. Like if I've had a bad day, the first thing I want to do is tell my family about my bad day. Like those are, that's my circle of people. Okay. You tell the people you live with first and then you tell your friends, you call Johnny and you say, girl, let me tell you what happened. Okay. That's what you do, but you're not telling everybody else that. So maybe your mom is leaning on you to be a part of her core circle. And sometimes maybe that means that you are hearing stories that are not so pleasant. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe she's venting. And for you, if her venting is too much, you need to say, you know what? I need a mental break right now. I need a mental break. It's too much. But I would like a little bit more detail as to why this, your mom is so unpleasant now. Like what makes her unpleasant? And let me tell you, if she's not calling you out your name, if she's not making you feel uncomfortable or making your significant other feel uncomfortable, if she is not, you know, literally like trying to eat you out of house and home, like, if she's not doing a, like abusive things and she's just like annoying because she talks too much or she wants you around all the time, you're going to have to suck that up and just shut up. Because guess what? She made sure you didn't want for anything when you were growing up. So now, listen, it's her turn, period. I kind of agree. So I agree with we need some more information. It does say that she's terrorizing their family and it says that she's verbally abusive. I'd like to turn it a little a little. I'm assuming you're grown because one, you listen to our podcast and two, you wrote into us and you said that when you were young. So that makes that leads me to believe that you're probably grown, grown. I would hope you're grown, grown because we talk about some interesting stuff for if you're too young. So I would like to venture to say that it's okay for a relationship not to work or to evolve into a place that it wasn't before. It's possible. People go through various phases of life. And you don't have to have the same relationship that you had with your mother now than when, as you did when you were depending on her to keep you alive and sustain you as you grew into adulthood. That relationship doesn't have to be the same. Just like you grew and changed and evolved, she grew and changed and evolved. And you all are in very different places in your life than you were back then. 
again, if she's not abusing you, and verbal abuse is real abuse, so let me not make it sound like it's not something that's important because it is important. If your mother is verbally abusing you, then you don't deserve that and you can sever ties. You control your mental space. And if your mother is being toxic to that mental space, you can say, this relationship no longer works for me. Now she's always going to be your mother. But you can say that the way that this relationship is continuing and the way that I see it going, it doesn't work. You can say, this is how much I'm able to take. And when you're not able to take it anymore, you can cut that off. You can deal with people in portions, in segments. You know, you can't sit and indulge yourself in a whole bunch of cake, right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to get sick. Take it little piece by little piece. And who knows? It might make the relationship better. Also, I don't know how old your mother is, right? But every phase of your life, especially with a a mother-daughter relationship, it changes things. When you're young and your parents tell you what to do, your mother dresses you, it's cute. It's like you're your mom's little protege, right? As you get older, you kind of come into your own. You have those teen years where you usually butt heads. Mothers and daughters usually have a time during the teenage years, right? Then as you get older, then your mother's going through like empty nest syndrome as you grow and learn to be independent. Then you get married and now you're someone else's someone else's responsibility. You're no longer your parents' responsibility. So you and your mother have to adjust to what that looks like and what is your new relationship going to look like. And I don't know if you've gone through these phases of your life or not yet. But I'm saying this to say that you also have to be cognizant of where your mother could be coming from and what she could be dealing with. Is she aging? Is she having a difficult time, you know, with the aging process? I mean, there are a number of things that I'd like to ask. Not that it gives her an excuse to, as you put, terrorize your family, or nor does it give her an excuse to verbally abuse anyone. But maybe just asking her, like, What is it that you, where are you mentally? What is it that you're going through? Is there anything that I can help you with so that you can get to the point where you all can have a decent relationship? I'm not saying it's going to be perfect because no relationship is perfect, but just a decent relationship so that you can get back on track to that mother-daughter relationship that you had and you were more familiar with when you were younger. I am so tired of people canceling their parents. Like, I'm I'm just so tired of it. Like, I don't care if people come for me or not, but like, I am tired of cancel culture. Like, I'm sick and tired of it. And this letter, you have not given us any details. And when you use the word terrorize, like, that is a very strong word. Like, terrorize is like Jason, like Freddy Krueger terrorize people. Like, what do you mean terrorize okay if you're saying verbally abusive you know say that and tell us how and I say that because things can be so subjective and that's why I'm like what is what's the example and then if she's so terrorizing like does she know that you think that she's terrorizing or, or she thinks that her attitude is completely normal and she's gonna be caught completely off guard I think that and we're millennials so this, we're not bad talking millennials but I'm I'm I think that we Some of us do not know how to express ourselves in such a way that allow people to know this is not okay. And then all of a sudden you expect for people to read your minds 
and you expect for her to know that she's terrorizing, like she's intentionally trying to terrorize you. Like that is unfair. And it's very, it's such a selfish mentality to have to be like, oh my gosh, she's terrorizing me. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Well, first of all, let's talk and communicate. Okay. The first time she terrorized you or the first time she verbally abused you, you should have said, hey, mom, not cool. You know, or I don't like it when you do X, Y, Z, or that really hurt my feelings. Like stop keeping so much bottled in. And now you've gone a long amount of time. I don't know how long, but a period of time where now you have this, you know, disgruntled relationship and these disgruntled feelings about your mom. Like, how have you, have you expressed this? And then like, let's also be clear. Like you think you're terrorized by your mom. Does your mom think that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Like, let's, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you always asking your mom for something or you're not? Okay. Is she getting onto you for no reason or does she have cause to get onto you for a reason? Like, what exactly is she doing? And yes, if, if it really is verbally, verbal abuse and your mom is constantly doing it and you brought it to her attention and she's not listening, do you need a toxic relationship? No. But I do think before you just like crossing your mom off of your list of invites that you need to sit down and actually talk to her. And if she is not receptive, then you go to the next step further and you say, hey, I really want us to go to counseling because I think you're not hearing me. And I want to make sure I'm not missing something in terms of how I'm communicating with you. And then you try to get on the same page, okay? So that mother-daughter relationship is really one that I think you need to fight for, even if there's some toxicity there. I think that the two of you can talk and communicate through that, hopefully. And if you go to counseling and that doesn't happen, then you can say, I'm gonna love you from a distance. I love you, but I'm gonna love you from a distance. But before the work is put in there, I don't think that you should do that. I think you should communicate and then go to counseling. Anyway. I'm always for the counseling, but I'm not for the verbal abuse. I'm just saying. And I agree. We shouldn't cancel our parents very quickly because, you know, you never know what it's going to feel like when they're not here with us. But I don't think that you should be tortured either. That's the case. But Victoria hadn't told us anything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So let us know, girl. Let us know. All right. So, Janine, what did you learn new this week? So I learned, according to a Cornell study, that one in four Americans is estranged from their family. So like 25 percent. That's a lot of people to be out here estranged from their families. That's all I'm saying. Like, I feel like we need to come back to center, come back to our home base and figure out how to have a little bit more tenacity when it comes to our family dynamic. Yeah, I just that is so upsetting. That's so upsetting. And I'm hoping that when they say estranged from families, that they still have some family they can rely on. You know, I'm sure that in that number, you know, dads that are estranged from their family or people that are raised in a single parent household, they're probably included in that as well, which is a shame, which is a shame. Because when you have a household that's split, household divided, there there is some emotional rifts there. And and that's probably Kirk Franklin's son. That's probably what he's feeling. He's feeling, you know, he was not raised by both parents. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. Even the letter that we read from our first anonymous listener, where was the where were the dads? Like where were the where were the men? You know? You're right. The only male figure we heard about was grandson. Exactly. In both letters. We didn't hear anything yeah. about men in either letter. Right. You're absolutely. Where correct. are the men? 
So uh, there's something to be said about uh, not having that strong, you know, strong ties within the family uh, from both parents. So that's unfortunate, though. So what did you learn new this week, Nicole? So I learned um, Nick Haslam of the University of Melbourne suggests that there's a generational shift in what constitutes abuse as the reason that a lot of people are estranged from their families. And Janine, I think so. I think that what our parents did to us when we were young, we could never get away with that. Like mm-hmm. my mom, like Kirk cursing his son out right now is not appalling to Steve Harvey or all the other people that are Kirk Franklin's days. They're like, that's that business. You know, that's that business. Absolutely. And my mama would let me act up in church. She gonna take me in that bathroom and she gonna tear them legs up. I was about you are to say. Not, you can't do that now. You can't tear your child's legs up anywhere. They will call child protective services on you. I mean, people, everybody gets a trophy now, right? Everybody gets a trophy. If you hurt anybody's feelings, it's like, oh my God, you hurt my feelings. You're abusive now. Or you're not supportive because you didn't come to every single basketball game. Like my mama was working two jobs. Like she couldn't come to every cheerleading you know, cheerleading event or game as I cheered, like, and we knew that, like she had to pay the bills and it is not, it is not the same. It's like completely generationally different. You don't have children that don't talk back anymore. Like they feel like you respect me and I respect you. Like what? Like even in school, like I couldn't be a teacher, Janine. I just couldn't do it. I could not be a teacher. You and me both. I can't be a teacher or a parent. Well, as a parent, I can control my household, but you're right. All right. So are you ready for the motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. And this week it comes from the amazing Iyala Vendant. And I think it's appropriate to quote her. And she said, healing can only happen when people are willing to shift. The parent-child existence is more than a relationship. When a child looks at a parent and a parent looks at their child, They are literally looking at a piece of themselves. So be willing to shift, if not for anything else, but for yourself. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.